Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Amen, amen. What a powerful name it is. <laughs> the name of Jesus. You know, uh, praise and worship uh, is such a key part of a, a, any service. And it's, it's not just a moment to kind of press into God's presence, but it's also a moment of teaching. Uh, the Bible instructs us in the book of Ephesians, teaching and admonishing each other through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See, songs are designed not only to lead us into God's presence, but also to teach us. So, for example, we were just singing, The Veil Tore Before You. Um, that's a powerful teaching. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, It is finished, the first thing that happened was the veil tore from the top to the bottom. God came in and tore the veil. And somebody's like, well, what does that mean? The veil tore before you. See, up till that time, the Holy of Holies, which was God's most intimate presence on the earth, is the closest thing you could get to heaven on the earth, was hidden behind that veil. And the only people who got to experience it were those who were qualifying in the natural as perfection. They had spotless garments, not a speck of dirt on them. They would do multiple washings and sacrifices before they pressed into the Holy of Holies. And only one person could experience it because no one else would go through that process of cleansing or have that ability to have the anointing rest upon them to enter into God's presence. That veil kept the presence of God from every person on the earth. And the reason why that veil was there was because of sin. And when Jesus said, it is finished, the price of sin had been paid. And the very first thing God wanted was that veil torn because more than anything else, he wants to be with you. Which is why when, when you think about the context of this, Jesus is hanging next to a robber and a murderer on a cross. And he says, Lord, will you remember me? And what does he say? This day you will be with me in paradise. And we know there's a heaven, but notice Jesus' intent was not just paradise. It was, I want to be with you. This day, you will be with me. The veil tore before him. And I want to encourage you, God, more than anything else, simply wants to be with you. He, he even says, for heaven, I go to prepare a place for you so that there where I am, you may be also. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing, heaven, the veil, everything is about God wanting to be with you. And I want to encourage you to give God that gift of you, to give him the gift of pursuit, to give him the gift of your presence, and to, to do that. And, and what blesses me so much about this assembly on a Sunday p.m. is that there is a measure of sacrifice for you to come in and be with him. And, and I believe that as you do that, you will see the rewards of that sacrifice. 
uh, that you will see not only you coming to be with him, but you will see God coming to be with you. Amen. 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 Let's go before him in prayer. Father, we come before you. We love you, Lord Jesus, so very much. And we thank you, Father, that where we are, you may be as, as well. And Father, I just thank you for your presence in this place tonight. We don't go by what we feel or uh, what we can experience with our senses. But Father, we just thank you that each and every person in this room tonight just experiences you in some way. That somehow, Father, you break through the veil of their heart and you teach them your word or you instruct them in uh, a decision that they need to be making, that you show them things to come, or you lead and guide them into all truth. But Father, in some way, uh, make yourself abundantly real to each and every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place. At the end of all this, we'll be careful and we'll be quick to give you all the praise because Father, you're the only one who's worthy of it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn to someone tonight. Welcome them to Word of Life Fondren. And you can be seated. Well, it's always a delight to be in church and always a delight to be here in Fondren on Sunday nights. I love what God is doing uh, here in this service. I love what God is doing in and through this campus and in through the people of this campus. And I know I've done this last couple of times, but I'll do it all again. Can we give it up for all of the, the volunteers and serve team members of this house? In this campus, uh, you all serve with such fire and passion and energy and life. Uh, this campus is the only campus that we have to tear, uh, tear down and set up and all of those things. And to see it done with such excellence and to see it done with such a heart for humanity and service is just a true joy. And so we honor you and we give thanks to you. Uh, we also wanna say hello to everyone who is a visitor or guest here tonight. Can we give it up for the guests? If you are here and this is your first time, I'm Pastor Joel. I'm the lead teaching pastor of Word of Life. We have a lot of other pastors though. Uh, but I am honored to get to, to meet you and get to know you. And I do want to remind you at the end of the service, just in case I forget, over there at the information bar, uh, where information is on tap, uh, you can go back there and uh, get more information about this campus uh, and as well get a free gift. And the free gift at this house is a, a mug for coffee uh, and uh, out of that, a free certificate, any coffee you want want at Native Coffee Shop. And so make sure uh, that you avail yourself to that if you are a guest. Open up your Bibles with me tonight to the book of Revelations. Uh, we're going to the deep end of the pool, if that is okay. <laughs> and uh, I had something on my heart, and then today that completely changed as I just waited on the Lord uh, and got over in the Spirit. 
And that's what I want to talk uh, about tonight is in the spirit. And um, it's an interesting passage of scripture here in Revelations. Uh, Revelations is a book you ought to read. Um, it's very interesting. Get a good Bible commentary when you read it. Uh, but one of the things, and this is the only uh, book of the Bible that I'm aware of that tells you within it that if you read it all the way through, you get a blessing. Uh, seriously, uh, when you read the first chapter of Revelations, it tells you there's a blessing you get from reading this book. You can't get any other way. Uh, and so it'd be worth it to you for no other reason than to read the book of Revelations through. But there's a passage of scripture uh, that I find um, that I just can't shake or get off my heart when I was thinking about this service in spite of my best intentions to try. Um, and so we're going to flesh this out and just kind of see what the Lord wants as we, we share it. But Revelations chapter 1 um, and let's look here in verse uh, number seven. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. How many of you know this is coming? Even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos. I've been there. Years ago, my dad took me on a missions trip to Israel and then Turkey and Greece and all throughout those islands. And we went to the Isle of Patmos, and they took us to the place where they believed John was imprisoned and had the revelation and wrote the book of Revelations. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you can keep me in prayer, tomorrow morning I actually go to Turkey. Um, and uh, I'm heading over there for a conference where we're bringing in pastors all from the Middle East. Uh, we've got 51 alone coming from Iran. Uh, and we're just going to lay hands on them. And, and the goal is to teach them about the Holy Spirit and the power of God and all those kinds of things. Uh, kind of like a Book of Acts moment. Um, so, I mean, from Syria, Iran, Uganda, like all over. Um, and so we're super excited about that. But anyway, that's where he was. Patmos is an island in that part of the world. Um, and he's there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But notice verse 10. This is what I want to get at. I was in the spirit. Now, if you want to, I've got that underline. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet saying, write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches. Now, notice this in verse 10, I was in the spirit. Now, here, the writer John is writing to churches, and he's going to send this letter out to seven churches that he is about to make mention of. But notice, he fully expects his audience to understand what he means. I was in the spirit, as if they would know where that was. <laughs> uh, that he knew of a place and they knew of a place that I wonder if the modern average Christian in America even know exist. 
and he didn't even explain it. It's like a, a quick passage, but he's in the Spirit, and he's hearing and seeing the things of the Spirit so clearly, he writes the book of Revelations, and everyone's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, and I think for the modern Christian today, if you said, like, I was in the Spirit on the way over here, would think of, like, some metaphysical place or, like, something that could possibly... Um, you know, be for a certain brand of Christian that was so far out there that it could be unattainable. And here it's like par for the course. I was in the spirit. I expect you to know where that was. <laughs> and I wonder, when's the last time you've been there? In the spirit. I was in the spirit. Uh, and I heard this morning, I was in the Spirit, and the Lord spoke something to me. I wrote it down. What's interesting is tonight, I was sitting down there praying, about to come up, and I got a voice memo from Pastor Luke, uh, who's on staff here, and he said, I was praying uh, and was over in the Spirit, and the Lord told me to tell you this. I've got the voice memo. If I showed you my prayer journal, it's word for word what the Lord told me this morning. In the Spirit. Do we even know what that means? Here, he literally expects his audience to know exactly what he's talking about in the spirit. And the whole day, I just couldn't shake that term, in the spirit. I was in the spirit. And just to, to ask you, have you been there? And I told the Lord, because I had already, I've got like 45 messages I've been trying to preach here. Like, Five on Moses and like another five on how to be led by the Spirit. Like, all the, like I have a message last week I was going to preach and the Lord took it a different direction. And so it just seems like we're, we're you're, you know, going wherever he wants, which is kind of the point uh, <laughs> in all of this. Uh, but I, I could not shake it. And I really felt impressed to challenge you in this. I said this the other day when I was teaching on the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings. I've got a guy I work out with, um, and he's just a blessing. And honestly, that happened in the Spirit. Uh, but anyway, when I get into that gym, he challenges me and gets more out of me than I ever could have imagined getting out of myself. Uh, and my, my children, uh, uh, two of them are here tonight. They're old enough to go to the gym. They'll go with me. They will say the same because they've worked out with him as well. And my point is, isn't that what church should be? Like, if you could get to a place spiritually without us, what's the point of us? But shouldn't you come to a place like this and be challenged with maybe there is more in me than what I previously been striving for? And that out of that reach barriers of growth spiritually, just like you can reach barriers of growth physically when you change diet and exercise. And what if we could give you a higher diet and then gave you a pathway for greater exercise when you left? I wonder if you could get spiritually strong and be strong in spirit, giving glory to God as Abraham was in the spirit. Have you been there? I told the Lord, I'm like, it's, it's, it's going to be trying to like explain the ocean to somebody who's never seen it. It's like, think your bathtub, but bigger, you know, or the, uh, the, uh, the, the reservoir, but endless. It's like, how do you explain the ocean to somebody who's never seen it? How do you explain the Grand Canyon to somebody who's never seen it? It's a big hole. 
You know, I'm like, Father, like in the spirit, how do I even go about like telling people this exists? Because clearly the early church knew exactly what he was talking about. And how it, it baffles me how far we have fallen from that standard. Um, and, and that type of thing. But, but anyway, in the spirit. Uh, the, the easiest way I know how to explain it is this. Don't, don't over-romanticize it because I, I've met way too many spiritual people who do this. Uh, they so romanticize something that it takes, it takes it out of the grasp or reach. Um, and all the while we're looking for fireworks, but God is like a candle. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. A firework will explode and provide, provide beautiful light. And there are some fireworks to Christianity, and we should have that where we are in all of it, and they're, they're beautiful. Uh, but there is a steady flame and a steady light within the heart of a man, and that's the Spirit of God. You can be in that light. Uh, you can be in the Spirit is in the light. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When I'm in the Spirit, I see the path. When, when I'm in, I'll take it. When I'm in the spirit, I see the next step that I'm supposed to take. Spiritually speaking, in life, when I'm in the spirit, I, I know I have a voice behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When I'm in the spirit, there's an awareness. I, I, when I'm in the spirit, I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. I have a heart that understands. You remember Jesus' biggest criticism? The, the religious people would often get mad at Jesus because they're like, you're eating with sinners. And, and sinners loved Jesus. Like genuinely, like, they would like invite him into their home and, and all of these moments. They're like, if you really knew who they were, you wouldn't go in there. Um, but the, the people that Jesus critiqued and, and corrected the harshest were not the sinners. They were the religious people. It would be like all the people who are like theologians today and came to them and he's like, like, this is right before you, but you have eyes, but you do not see it and ears, but you do not hear it and a heart, but you do not understand it. And he would constantly like coach them along that line. Because when you're in the spirit, spiritual things are alive to you. I have ears that hear God. I have eyes that see God. I have a heart that understands God. Um, when I'm in the spirit, God is very real to me. Um, there are two kind of spiritual places that I can see from the word of God, both taught in the book of Galatians and the book of Romans, some in Ephesians. But it's either in the flesh or in the spirit. When you are in the flesh, you are very mindful of fleshly things. The problem, the gossip, uh, the offense, uh, the work, the stress. When you're in the flesh, you are mindful of those things. When you are in the spirit, you are mindful of spiritual things. And you have the capacity to see God at work, both in a situation and in somebody else. I had a guy call me the other day, a missionary. Someone who regularly uh, will, will like uh, get in touch with me to like talk to them. And they've gone through a season of frustration uh, here recently. And uh, out of that, they called me because they wanted to, you know, ask for pastoral guidance about the frustration. And the whole time they're talking, I can tell they're incredibly mindful of the frustration. 
And uh, thankfully, I had spent a lot of time in prayer because whenever I'm talking to missionaries and things like this, I want to come in from a very prayerful state because in the spirit, it's not a place where you live unless you live there on purpose. You have to choose to abide in him. Most people don't abide in him. They visit him. They abide in work, they abide in Netflix, they abide in ESPN, they abide in, in uh, you know, whatever video games are out there, Golf Blitz, uh, my son, my youngest is trying to get me to play Golf Blitz, all of these, they abide in all these things, they don't abide in the Lord. Um, but you can make a decision to kind of press over into him and, and make a decision to, to visit and hopefully the visit is sweet enough, it entices you to abide. And so anyway, I made a, an intentional point to get over into the spirit before uh, I took this call. And so he calls me and he's telling me all these frustrations. And the whole time he's talking, immediately I can see God at work. And I can see the very thing he wants is the very thing God does not want him to have. Because if he got it now, he wouldn't be ready for it. It would pull him back into his past and make him the man he's trying to change from being. Uh, and, and he's wondering, like, why is this not working out the way, it, 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 the way I want it to work out? It's because the way you want it to work out is something that is the exact way it shouldn't work out. Because if it happened that way, it would be bad for you. And I clearly can see it. And so finally he's done talking and I tell him the details of that, which are not necessary for you to know. But as soon as I'm done with the details, it's like a light bulb comes on and he's like, Pastor Joel, you are so right. And he had ears that hear and a heart that understood and he sees life through a new paradigm now. And instead of seeing the frustration, he sees what God is trying to teach him in this moment. Because sometimes if all you look at in the natural, Joseph, why am I still in prison? Like, God, you can give Pharaoh a dream anytime you want. Why am I still in prison? And if he got in the flesh, he could deny God. He could walk away from the call of God. He could quit. He could be a victim. He could talk about how tough it is. He could talk about how rough it is. He could play, I don't understand, all these things. But in the spirit, he can clearly see God at work. Because when you're in the spirit, you have the capacity to see God at work in this moment and be like, oh, it'll be really hard to run a country if I've never run anything before. And so God has me in here to train me in something, to develop me in leadership and to develop me in the organization of things. And when I'm ready, God will get me out of here. And that's exactly what happened. But how did he get there? He maintained this intimacy and walk with God. When you're in the spirit, you have eyes that see, you have ears that hear, you have a heart that understands. Now, how do we get in the spirit? I'm glad you asked. Let's go over the book of Galatians. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. Uh, it's, it's real simple, uh, but let's look at it. Galatians is right after the book of 2 Corinthians. Uh, so if you're in 1 2 Corinthians, just keep, keep turning. If you hit Ephesians, you've gone just a little too far. Galatians chapter 6, and let's look here in verse number 7. Be not deceived, God will not be mocked. For whatever a man sows, this also will he reap. Now notice the context of this. Many times this is, is solely used as a financial scripture. 
The reason why is the verse before. So let's look at that and you can see context. Verse six, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches them. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. And here is the verse for like supporting your local church, that if I am receiving natural things, um, or if I'm receiving spiritual things from my church, then let me give natural things to my church so that my church can keep on going. Um, and let me, let me take care of the people who are in the church, who are helping the church. And then he comes back with this teaching, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that shall he also reap. And so, yes, there is that connotation of you don't have to be afraid to give because when you give, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's exactly what you'll reap. But notice the twofold connotation is there he's talking about natural financial supply, but then he goes right over into something very spiritual in the next verse. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap life everlasting. So notice, he says, you have two options here, spiritually speaking. I can continually sow to the flesh, but he says, if you sow to the flesh, the flesh gets bigger. Uh, when you give in to an appetite, any appetite fleshly, whether it's chocolate, Netflix, or a video game, the more you eat of it, the more you want it. You never get full. Because if you sow to the flesh, the flesh gets bigger. The more I give attention to the problem, the more the problem consumes me. If I sow to the flesh, I reap from the flesh. And then he says, not only will you reap from the flesh, does the flesh get bigger, but it begins bringing corruption. And what this corruption does is it begins to erode you where the life you could be living is the life that is being taken away. And this is what Jesus is saying, is you have spiritual eyes, but they're not working. You don't even see me at work. Literally, God is standing before you right now, but you can't see it. You want to crucify him. You want to judge him. You want to belittle him. God is right here, but you can't see him. I'm sitting here, and every word I'm saying is from God Almighty himself. This is what Jesus is saying. Like, I, I literally say nothing without the Father telling me to hear, uh, say it. But you have ears, but you don't hear. You have a heart, but you don't understand. What is that? There is something on the inside of them that has corroded them. Well, what is it? It's the flesh. The more I sow to the flesh, the more I reap to the flesh. And this is why the enemy is constantly trying to get you to gratify the flesh. What was the temptation of Jesus? First temptation, gratify your flesh. You're hungry, eat the apple. Uh, you're bored, watch the show. <laughs> constantly give into your flesh. You know you want that, eat it. You know you want that, watch it. You know you want that, date it. You know, all those kinds of things. Uh, and so we go down these paths where the flesh is constantly being enticed by the enemy. And the more I sow to the flesh, my flesh gets bigger. And the more I give over into these lusts, those lusts simply want more. And he says, it is absolutely corroding your spiritual life. And you're sitting around all these spiritual things, but you don't even decipher it. You, you've got men like John on an island having a vision of Jesus, seeing the end times and other people never hearing from God. 
And it's not because God's not talking. It's because God's people aren't listening. You see, every time in Scripture, when the word of the Lord was rare, there was a problem on man's end, not on God's. Because I'm telling you, anyone who convinced my kids I did not want to talk to them, they're going to have problems with me. I want to talk to my kids. I want to walk with my kids. I want my kids to know me. I want my kids to fellowship with me. I want to eat with my kids. I want to hold my kids. I want to be in their presence. I want them to be in my presence. I want to go on trips with them. I want to go on adventures with them. And God is the same way with you. God wants to be very real to his kids. He wants to love you, embrace you, hold you, instruct you, guide you, show you things to come, teach you, instruct you, bring things to your remembrance. Like God is a God who wants to come alongside you because God is your father. And, and, and why don't we have that? Because we have eyes and we see him not and we have ears and we hear him not and we have hearts, but we understand him not. And it's not because he is hard to be understood or hard to find. It is that most people live a fleshly gratifying life. And if we want to, we can come to a place. And this is what I want. When, when you see Jesus, you're not just reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, to be impressed by Jesus and to be like, oh, thank God for Jesus. That's A. But B, the other side of the coin is, is that's the life he is trying to model for you, to show you how you can live in this earth as well. That the works he did, you can do the same and greater works than these because he is going to the Father. So he's modeling a life for us. And one of the things you see for Jesus is Jesus lived in the spirit. And somebody says, well, what do you mean lived in the spirit? He's very mindful of spiritual things. Let me show you some examples of this. John chapter four. Uh, go over there and look at this with me. We'll go to John four and then we'll go to John 11. John four. And let's look here in verse ah, number one. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again unto Galilee. Now notice verse number four. And he had to pass through Samaria. He had to. Um, in the King James, I believe it says, and Jesus turned to his disciples and says, we must needs go through Samaria. Um, now, notice, if you have to do something, what are you under? Instruction. You ask my kids, if they have to take out the trash, it's because they have been told to take out the trash. You don't have to do something where there is no instruction to do so. And everything that Jesus is doing in his earthly ministry is I'm not doing it unless the Father tells me to do it. I'm not saying it unless the Father is telling me to say it. This is the essence of Jesus. So all of his actions are through this light this life through the Spirit, this life in the Spirit of why am I going here? I must. Uh, why am I going here? I have to. And he has to go through Samaria and watch what happens here. You're going to see life in the Spirit lived out in front of you by Jesus. 
he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria uh, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to some Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and there came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said unto her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that says you give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drink of it in himself? And Jesus said unto her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never thirst. But the water I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. And he said unto her, go, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, You have said correctly, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said unto her, <laughs> I love this, this is one of my favorite lines in Scripture, said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Um, and she begins to, to see like this moment. Um, what is a prophet? In the Old Testament, they were called seers. Seers. Uh, God has promised us he would give us a spirit of seeing and knowing. Here, everyone else is seeing a man and a woman at a well. Jesus is not just seeing a woman, he is seeing her shame. There's a reason why she's coming at this hour of the day when no one else is there, is because of her past. And Jesus is, is, is literally on assignment from God to be at this well for no other reason than to talk to this woman. And God has lined this whole thing up. He's positioned this woman. He's positioned Jesus to have this conversation. And this one conversation, when you look at it later on, leads to the whole city of Samaria coming out to hearing Jesus. And Jesus standing there for two days doing the same thing to every other person who's in that town until all of Samaria hears about Jesus. And how did this happen? It came from a moment in the Spirit where he saw past the flesh and he saw what was going on in the life of a woman and used that to win her for the kingdom of God. And we look at this and we're like such in awe of that or in awe of people who do that or, or we take spiritual people who can do this and we put them up on pedestals and we're kind of in awe of them and the whole time Jesus is showing you this to invite you into this type of life. I was in the spirit. Oh yeah, we, we know what that's like, John. No need to explain we go there all the time. No, you don't have to do like a five-part teaching on that, John. We, we got you covered. Okay, next. What did you see? Um, because the early church was so trained. You look at Acts chapter 6, you have all of these prophets and you have all of these apostles standing there. And they're like, well, let's go, let's go look at that real quick because this is good. Acts 6. Acts 6. You'll see an example of fighting for this type of life. Acts chapter 6. In verse number one, 
Now at this time, the disciples were increasing in number, and a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews that the native Hebrews, because of their widows, were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. Basically, you had a big feeding program, and uh, they saw one section of people getting fed, and another section of people that were being overlooked, and this was making people mad. They're like, it's favoritism. You clearly like them more than you like us, because you're feeding them and leaving us starving. It's a problem. Uh, And so the church has gotten too big, and they need greater organization. So watch this in verse number two. So the 12 summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of reputation. Notice the qualification filled with the spirit and with wisdom who we may put in charge of this task. So here you see that uh, the apostles are like, well, of course, they're filled with God's spirit and like living in the spirit and aware of spiritual things. And they're like, yeah, and we're going to fight to stay there. So we're not going to get trapped with all this natural stuff because we want to give our attention to the word of God and prayer. But not only are we going to give our attention to the word of God and prayer, watch who we appoint over this. This was who they were drawing from, from the early church. Watch this. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation. How many of you know that's good? Like, let's, let's make sure, like, they have a good reputation. So in the natural, people think of, like, they're good people. Uh, but also, filled with the Spirit and with wisdom. And these were the qualifications for what they're looking for in church leadership and what they're looking for in people. It's like, are you filled with the Spirit? Are you aware of a spiritual life? And you see, like, the very people that they pick are the people that the Bible goes on to track next of, like, all these miracles are coming out of their hands and coming out of their lives because they're living life differently than the way most people live it. They're living life in the Spirit. Uh, Jesus, he hears his best friend, Lazarus, has died. And they're like, you need to come now. And he's like, nope, not going he abides in the same place two more days. They're like, why are you abiding? And he says, any person who is walking in darkness, they will stumble in that darkness. But when a man has a light in him, there is no occasion of stumbling. Do you see what Jesus is saying? You're, you would make this move in the flesh because you felt the pressure of the moment. And you would have run up there as soon as you heard they were sick. And you would have been praying and rebuking and bonding. And he said, that is actually responding from this place of worry, care, and concern. He said, I am waiting here and doing nothing until God shows me exactly what I'm to do. Because when I get over in the light that is in me, there is no occasion of stumbling. And he waits there for two days, and and they come and tell him he's dead. He's like, he's not dead. He's sleeping. I'm just going to go wake him up. And like, why are you going now? He's like, because I have light. He stands in front of Lazarus's tomb, and he's like, I think I need to pray. And so he tells God, he's like, not that like we haven't already talked about this because I wouldn't be here if we haven't, but for the sake of everybody else who's here that they know you're actually the miracle worker, let me pray right now. And then he prays and tells Lazarus to come forth and immediately there's a miracle. But why is the miracle there? It's not just because, this is so key. It's not just because he was using his authority. He was a man under authority. 
And before he ever stood in that moment, he had seen that moment because he had eyes that could see, ears that could hear, and a heart that could understand what the will of God was. And people think Jesus was just walking by, healed, 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 healed. And they look over all these scriptures where Jesus is like literally passing by tons of sick people to get to one person. One person who is there. Why is he doing that? He's being led by the Spirit of God. Why? He's living life in the Spirit. And I want to encourage you, like, in, in your, your life and in your walkings and dealings with God, you have this choice to live a life in the Spirit, but it's all a matter of what you choose to sow towards. I, I want to show you this, and then, then we'll, we'll end here with worship. Go over to the book of Matthew, and let's look here in the book of Matthew Chapter 13 and verse number 10. And the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him shall more be given. And he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see. And while hearing, they do not hear. In the case of the prophecy of Isaiah is being fulfilled, which says, You will keep on hearing, but you will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but you will not perceive. For the heart of the people has become dull. Their ears they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes, otherwise they would see with their eyes, they would hear with their ears, and they would understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because you hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and hear it not. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes to snatch away what has been sown into his heart. This is the one on whom the seed was sown beside the road. And the one on whom the seed was sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it in joy, but he has no firm root in himself, but only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arise for the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom the seed was sown among thorns is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom the seed was sown on good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it and indeed bear fruit and brings forth some hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Here Jesus is, is saying, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand anything. And he said, the Father is constantly trying to take you to a place where you have eyes that see, ears that hear, and a heart that understands spiritual things. That you don't just see in the natural, but you see in the spirit. You don't just hear in the natural, you hear in the spirit. I remember one time this, this person came up to me at the end of the service and they just would compliment and compliment us after a Wednesday night when we did Wednesday nights constantly just would come up to me and I liked it uh, because you know a lot of times you need feedback uh, and that type of thing and they're like that's the best message ever like all these types of things and I walked away from them uh, after one particular night and the, the Lord said to me he said you hear that and you hear praise. I hear that and I hear manipulation. Within three days they're going to ask you for something and they've been working you all the way to this point just so they can ask you. Sure enough, three days later, they're asking me for something. 
but I knew it. Had he not have shown me that, I would have given it to him. But you can see things and hear things. You can understand things. Look past the flesh and see through over into spiritual things. And it'll save you. Um, Jesus had people who wanted to take him and make him king. He did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in their heart. What is that life in the spirit? He's sitting there and a woman comes behind him and she's dumping out her vial of perfume on him. And someone is thinking, a Pharisee is thinking, if he knew the type of woman, they're not even talking out loud, just thinking if he knew the type of woman that was pouring their oil on him right now, he would get as far away from her as the east is from the west, basically. And Jesus is like, Some of you are thinking, (laughs) and he's immediately dealing with the very issue that needs to be dealt with, but he knows the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Why? He had ears that could hear spiritual things, eyes that could see spiritual things, a heart that could understand spiritual things. And he says, let me tell you the reason why people don't. He's like, I'm constantly trying to take people that way. But he said, I'll tell you what happens is the lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life, and all these things attack people so strongly that they keep living fleshly lives. And I'm telling you, just like this world, you try to jump up, you got gravity, you just try to walk in the spirit and watch how fast this world will try to pull you back in the flesh. Uh, This morning, driving over from the 8.30 service to the 10 o'clock service. We had invite weekend. We got the carnival, you know, all these types of things out there at the Lakeland parking lot. I'm pulling back in the back. I see people having to walk all the way from the back of Lakeland, all the way to the front, because no one knows you could come in through the the back way at the the youth facility. And so it's hot, and you got a lot of lady in heels, and like I'm, I'm walking, and I'm pulling this. Immediately, I'm getting in the flesh, because I'm like, we need signage. We need to think through. Why am I? do and I'm trying to get in the spirit why am I not because I'm evaluating something in the flesh and this moment will take me out of the spirit the worry of the world what he's talking about there is like not like "Mm, I hope it's going to make it it's you trying to solve the world's problems in your natural flesh and we come back over here into areas of concern and areas of all these things. And that's what the disciples were fighting for in Acts 6. It's like, we don't need to give ourselves from that. The world actually needs something more from us. It needs people who will give themselves to prayer and give themselves to the ministry of the word. Why? Because people need an example of what a spiritual life actually looks like. And my point is, is that in all of our lives, and me as a pastor, I know if I find it hard to constantly live in a spiritual realm and have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that understands and a life in the spirit, I can't even imagine in your world what you must face. But here's what I know. In the spirit, You will see things that you need to see to run the race you need to run. In the spirit, you will hear things you need to hear to understand what you need to do in parenting, to see what you need to do in marriage. There are so many things my wife hasn't had to talk to me about because in the spirit, the Lord will show me. There's so many things that with my kids, my kids haven't had to tell me about, but I saw it in the spirit and enables me to have a conversation with them. There's so many things that have happened in prayer. You know how all of the campuses happened? We got over in the spirit and we started prophesying it out. 
we got over in the spirit and we started speaking and calling things that be not as though they were. And like literally we're walking in the substance of the very thing we prayed out. Why? We got in the spirit. And, and, and I know it can be hard for us to live there, but I'm telling you, you at least got to have some moments. You got to have some moments where you give yourself over to spiritual things, where, where you're sitting like this morning just with your Bible open and your, your hands before God and saying, God, speak to me. Like, God, I want to know you. I mentioned this at the, the 10 o'clock. Um, but I, I so am impressed with my children's hearts just for the Lord. They're not perfect. And they get, you know, it gets a little irritating because like I put them on the spot and those types of things in my messages. But it's just par for the course. I was in their shoes, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, I was a, a PK too. Uh, but the other night I was bringing my, my son home. Uh, and he told me, he said, um, Dad, the Lord showed me something. Like I had, like he showed me something. And he's had a couple of moments like this. Um, and he said, the Lord showed me something. I'm like, well, what did he show? He said, he showed me serving people. And I just saw myself serving people. And I asked him, I said, well, what were you doing in that moment? Like when the Lord showed you that. He said, I was just praying. He said, I was in my bed just praying. And I said, God, I've been talking to you. Would you talk to me? And he said, I just saw myself serving people. And he said, today I was out there and I saw this girl uh, who needed help with their, their math. And I just knew that was somebody I needed to help. And so I just began to help him. And then he said this, I like this. He said, I think I got taller too, because that's what he's been praying for. He wants to get taller. <laughs> oh, so I'm like, I've, I've been there. And he's going to get upset with me for sharing that part. <laughs> but here's my point. It doesn't matter if you're 14. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor and 39. It doesn't matter if you're, you're, you're somebody who's just starting or someone who's walked with the Lord for many years. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, have visions and dreams. God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Why is that the exception? When did that not become the rule? Seriously. When did that not become the expectation? God pouring out, this is that. You don't have to wait on this any longer. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. All flesh, spirit, poured out on. Every one of them can live life in the spirit. Every one of them can understand, like I was in the spirit. Yeah, I get that. I was there yesterday. <laughs> I was there this morning. Like I told Luke, I'm like, I was in the spirit this morning. And the Lord told me the exact same thing. And his response, this is how you know you're, you're talking to a Christian. His response is glory, exclamation mark. I'm like, I'm so thankful for spiritual friends. Uh, so like, all of these kinds of things. Um, some of the greatest spiritual experiences I have ever had in God was in my early 20s. Knew nothing like I know it right now, but I was worshiping, praying, pursuing, and God became very real. I had eyes that could see, ears that could hear, a heart that could understand. But it's impossible to, to shoot for something you don't know exists. You can't hit a target you're not aiming for. I was in the spirit. Yeah, we get it, John. We were there too. We've been there. We know exactly. No need to explain. Just tell us what you heard. 
could we just make a decision that we be that type of tribe and group of believers here on Sunday, 6 p.m. at Fondren Church? It's like, yeah, we get it, Pastor Joel. Just tell us what the Lord said. We get you were there. We, we know, we know, we know. We've been there. We know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, like, just tell us what you saw. You know, all those types of things and come back where we have so much familiarity with the Spirit that the communion of the Spirit is with us Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. On sons and daughters, on men and women on employers and employees, that you will pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Father, give us eyes that see, give us ears that hear, give us a heart that understands. Let us be people who draw near to your spirit. Let us be people who will withdraw from the worry of the world and the cares and the concerns of this world and be people who pray. I want to read this real quick. Like I said, I got this message about two hours before I came here. But I just knew... Uh, Jesus was our example of just someone who was so alive to spiritual things. To Jesus, everything was spiritual. But let me just read these scriptures to you. Matthew 26 and verse 36. Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Luke 5 and 16. But Jesus would often, often slip away into the wilderness for prayer. Mark 1 and 35. While it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to a secluded place and was there praying. Luke 3 and 21. Now when all the people were baptized and while Jesus was praying, heaven was opening. Matthew 14 and verse 23. And he went up to a mountain to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Mark 6 and 46. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. Luke 6 and 12. He spent the whole night in prayer unto God. These were just some of the instances of Jesus living a life of prayer. Um, if you sow towards the Spirit, you reap of the Spirit. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. If you sow to the flesh, of the flesh, you will reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit. What? Everlasting life. Jesus said, if you die, you will live if you take this and you kill it, you will live. And what's he talking about? You'll live with a higher sense. And just as Jesus like dedicated himself to, to prayer and just to carve that out, he would often slip away. He would often come to a place where he would pray all night. He would go to a secluded place and pray. How could we build that more into our lives? What if on our beds we just took a moment to just kind of close your eyes and pray and say, God, I've talked to you. Now would you talk to me? 
What if we took some moments to like, like Pastor Luke was driving around and just getting in the car for no other reason to pray and just say, God, speak to me. Um, show me anything you want to show me. Let me help anybody you want me to help. Uh, this morning, just simply opening up scripture and saying, God, here I am. Whatever you want to do for me, do for me. Whatever you want me to do for you, do like, like show it to me. I'll do it for you. Whatever you want me to say, say this afternoon, got a message written, open up my Bible. Lord, is that what you want or do you want something else? Show me, show me. Show me. What if we could do this more? I'm telling you, if we could sow more to spiritual things, we would reap more of these spiritual things. And so let's just, let's, let's stand tonight. And in worship and prayer, let's just make some of these decisions to just do this, to live more spirit-filled, to live more spiritual. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you. We come up higher. That's how Revelation starts. In the book of, of Revelations, you told John, come up higher. Let me show you. <laughs> and Father, I just hear your voice un, unto us tonight. Come up higher. Come up higher. Come up higher into a place where you can see. Come up higher to a place where you can hear. Come up higher to a place where your spirit can understand. For deep calls unto deep. And God's spirit is calling unto your spirit. Come up higher in Jesus' name. Come up higher in Jesus. Come up higher in prayer. Come up higher in worship. Come up higher in what you know you can be. Come up higher in Jesus. And Father, we just thank you. We do that. Even now, Father, in our worship, just let us come up higher. In the name of Jesus, let us press into you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus.